Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. This is Pastor Julie from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, and we are starting a new series this morning called Beloved Bible Stories. And right out of the gate, we are going to be reading about Noah and the Flood. Um, The sermon title is Signs of Hope, and we are reading from Genesis, starting in chapter 7, verse 6 through chapter 9, verse 1, and then jumping to verse 8 through 16. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came on the earth. And Noah, with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood, of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, Two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah, as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heavens were opened. The rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah with his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons entered the ark. They, and every wild animal of every kind, and all domestic animals of every kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every bird of every kind, every bird, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters swelled and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The waters swelled so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters swelled above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all human beings. Everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, human beings and animals and creeping things and birds of the air. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him in the ark. And the waters swelled on the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heaven were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters gradually receded from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated, and in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. 
At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent out the raven, and it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent out the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set its foot, and it returned to him on the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took it and brought it into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf, so no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out the dove, and it did not return to him any more. In the six hundred first year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and saw that the face of the ground was drying. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they might abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, and every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and burnt, offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I, never, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. For the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Whew! There's so much a preacher could talk about in this story. We could talk about it for months and not get to everything this story has to tell us. So we're going to whittle it down just a bit. We are also in the midst of our own natural disaster. No, it's not quite the same as a global flood, but it's still a disaster. Where is God in disasters? Where can we find hope 
in the middle of such challenging and desperate times. Noah and this story have a lot to tell us. So let's set the scene for what puts this whole build an ark because there's going to be a flood thing in motion. You have to start in chapter 6 to get that part of the story. So, But backing up even further to the beginning, remember that when God created everything, he saw it and said it was good. Then sin entered the picture and Adam and Eve were put out of the Garden of Eden. Then, as people multiply across the face of the earth, we hear that sin spreads and multiplies through every human heart, so much so that by chapter 6 we read, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continuously. Humankind, created in the image of God, blessed by God, and set above all other creatures to work with God and caring for all creation, had fallen so far away from who we were created to be. Evil looks to harm others, doesn't care if their actions cause pain or destruction. We had gotten so evil that our every thought was only evil, self-serving, unloving, and uncaring. This was what God's crowning achievement had become. And we read next, the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. He is in anguish, seeing what we have become compared to what we could have been. Anyone out there a parent of a child that has not lived up to their potential? How many parents have watched their children so full of promise end up in jail? Or flunking out of school when they were so smart just wasting their talents? Or letting some addiction steal their future in some way? Maybe that experience can give you at least an idea of how God felt at this point. In that moment, though, God decides that it would have been better not to have humans on the earth at all. I'm going to wipe them all out, even the animals. I'm sorry I ever made them. It's pretty harsh. But let's face it, God's heart is broken. He had such high hopes for us, and look what happened. But God takes a breath. And in that moment, his unconditional love for what he has created, including us simple humans, takes over. The next verse starts with, but. And I do like it when the Bible says, but. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. So in that divine pause, God makes a decision. And that decision is a decision of grace. God will not wipe out all creatures, but in his mercy, God will save some of them to begin again. We don't have the time to get into the debate about all the people and animals that actually die. We can talk about that another time. Just set that aside for now. This story is, an, is intentionally told in a way to focus on God's grace, to give us hope. In seeing Noah and how he lives, God has hope for the future of humanity. And in his mercy, he decides to give us a future. There are signs of God's unchanging love and grace all through this story. Even with 
his broken heart. God has hope. As God calls Noah to build the ark, as God plans to send the pairs of animals that will repopulate the earth after the flood, God is making a way for life to go on and for those who had evil in their hearts to change, to repent, and to be saved. It took 120 years to build the ark, and Noah told them all along what would happen. During that time, any one of them could have turned to God, turning away from the evil in their hearts and been saved. Even when Noah went into the ark, it rained for seven days before God shut them in and the floodwaters came. People still could have been saved. These are ways God extended the invitation to turn away from evil and walk with him. But only Noah and his family accepted that invitation. And so the floods came from below the earth and from the heavens above. As the waters rose and the ark was carried on the floods, God kept them safe. God was with them the entire time. And when the time had come, God caused the waters to recede. And the description of this reminds us of the original creation story. In the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and brought chaos into order, separating the waters above from those below and making the dry land appear. And we see the same process here as God causes his Spirit to blow over the chaos and bring things back into order. God is letting us begin again. God has given us a new start. God commands Noah, his family, and the creatures with them to be fruitful and multiply just as in the beginning of creation. Humans are given responsibility for the earth and everything on it just as before. Yet, though some things were the same, some were not. See, when we were first created, we were created in God's image, and this image defined us. It was and is still part of who we are. It is the image of love. God is love. And we were created out of God's great love for us. And we had a close, intimate relationship with our creator, God. And God created us with such high hopes. He created us to be loving beings, loving to God and to one another. To bear that divine image and love wherever we went. Yet as sin took root within us, and we, as we chose to turn away from our relationship with God and, that, and ignore that divine image, letting evil fill our hearts and minds, as time went on, we were nothing like the vision God had in mind for us. Love was not what defined us any longer. But love was and is still what defines God. His love for us never changed. Although his heart was broken, grieved at what we had allowed ourselves to become, God looked around and found hope for us all in Noah. At that moment, God made a decision. No matter what human beings did, no matter what they became, even after we started again, after the flood, God would never leave us or forsake us. God's love was and always will be unconditional. The God that loves us so much decided he would rather live with the grief than to live without us. 
through his unending grace, we, he decided that he would stick with us through the suffering of this life, most of which we bring on ourselves, working things for our good and loving us all along the way in ways we cannot see. He set a rainbow in the clouds after the flood to remind him that his to remind him that his love for us is greater than the evil that is in the world. It reminds him that love is always stronger than anger or grief. A rainbow reminds us that our God loves us unconditionally, that he is with us in the storm and will always be there after the storm. He never leaves us. Rainbows are a sign of hope, the hope God has for us, and the hope we can have in God's great love. So many people will say and have said that the Bible said God will never destroy the earth by flood, right? But that doesn't mean he, could use, he couldn't use, say, earthquakes or fire. Well, certainly this story says nothing about fire or earthquakes or any other natural disaster. So you might be tempted to believe that's a possibility. I mean, look around at the coronavirus right now. Are we being systematically destroyed by a virus instead of by a flood? But let's look at what God has done since the flood. After some time, he called a man named Abraham to be the father of a great nation. And many generations later, they became the people of Israel who are rescued from slavery in Egypt. And at Mount Sinai, they are given the law. And this law will shape them into the people God has hoped all humankind would be. They are to be a light to the nations so that all humankind will learn how to love God and love one another the way we were created to live. When it is finally clear that human beings can't become the people God envisioned on our own, he makes a way for that broken relationship to be restored anyway. Our God, grieved at how sin has taken power over us, turning us away from our intended purpose, decides to come and walk among us. This God who has let himself suffer in grief, limits himself again, and becomes a human being with us. Jesus lives with us, teaches us how to love, and shows us how much we are loved. Then, in an act of extreme suffering and self-sacrifice, he dies a terrible death on the cross. He willingly suffers to show his love and to break the power of sin over us. It's still our choice. It's always been our choice. And God's heart breaks when we allow sin to keep its power over us. But God has made a way. And it comes straight from the grace of God's unconditional, unending love for us. The rainbow is a sign that God loves us so much that he will never destroy us no matter how evil we are. I mean, really, after the flood, Scripture says that nothing about the human condition changed. God tells Noah that even then, the thoughts of our hearts are still only evil. Yet the cross is the ultimate symbol of God's unconditional love. That God would rather suffer himself 
then let us die. With Jesus, the way we are rescued from certain death is by simple faith. Simple faith in Jesus Christ as the one who comes to save us. It is a choice to turn away from evil and to embrace the love of God and the image of God that lives in us. Once we are safe in the ark of faith, no matter how the storms of life are raging, even now as long as the pandemic threatens us, we have the love of God to bear us safely through the storm until those waters recede. The rainbow and the cross, signs of hope. Remember that even when evil seems to be winning the day, or the storms threaten to wipe us out, God still sees his image living in us. He saw hope in Noah. When we put our faith in Christ and begin to live into God's plan for us, we show God that his faith in us has not been misplaced. Take a look around. There are people of great faith all around us. Signs of hope for all humanity. The love of God is there if you will take the time to look. There is hope for the future. So when you need some hope, look around and see those people of great faith doing great things in the name of love. And look at the cross and see the symbol of hope, the love that God has for us. Then live your life in a way that makes your life a sign of hope to God and to the world. Live in the image of God and be a symbol of God's love to the world in all you do. Let your thoughts of your hearts be turned continually to the grace and love of God. Amen.